they kind of start and every night builds. And then the last night just blows you out of water. But we come out the gate like that Wednesday night, didn't we, Peyton? And it was like, we had the last first night, the last night, the first night. And then the next night it was like that. And um, last year when I went to camp, it was a little different for me because I've always been the youth minister. And so when I, you know, and so I like church group time the, the, at night when you wrap everything up. Well, last year I didn't go to church group time because Mike was just coming on the scene real good. So I was trying to give a little separation so the students could bond to him. And so in the first night they went to church group last year, I was, I was dying. I was literally sitting back there thinking, this is the most terrible decision you've ever made, Johnny. And so um, Eddie Briery, some of y'all remember that come did our revival that'll be back this fall. He saw the, the look on my face. He said, all right, let's go take a ride and get us a Diet Coke and an oatmeal cookie. I said, well, let's ride. And so this year, all bets was off because he's had his feet on the ground for a year. And after we heard the first night service, I said, I'm going church group time. He's on his own tonight. And so um, it, it was good. It was real good. And so um, I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But I, I mentioned last Sunday I, I did something that I've never done before, and, and I've been trying to read more, and I love to read. It's just having time to read. So I've been trying to learn to read more or not learn to read. I know how to read, but uh, a little bit. Some of them big words still stump me. But, but anyway, I read a couple of different authors, and both of them that I read, I, I really respect. And, and they said that as pastors, they get away twice a year just by themselves just to pray and seek God on the direction they need to go with their messages. And I said, well, they can do it, I can do it, so I'm going to try it. And so I left Sunday after lunch going to... Um, the youth was going to be in Livingston, Texas. I said, well, I'll just get a hotel room in Livingston, and I'll spend two or three days before they get there and then meet them at camp. And I won't lie to anybody. I was scared to death for some reason. I don't know if I thought God was going to show up and stab me or something. But, you know, when, when you get to thinking about spending that much time alone with God. And, and so I was driving, and when I got there, I got my hotel room, and I, I went in, and I got the remote, and I went back downstairs, and I told him at the front desk, I said, keep this, and the lady kind of looked puzzled. She said, it broke, and I said, no. I said, but I'm too lazy to push that button 300 times, and that's not why I'm here. I'm here to, to, um, to spend time with God, and she still kind of looked puzzled, and so I went back up to my room, and, um, and Amanda's got a couple of pictures I can show you. The housekeeping probably thought that I was a crime scene investigator, because I had big post-it notes all over the wall, and that's just one wall. And then I had little post-it notes everywhere, and as, as I would read Scripture and God would speak, I'd write it on a post-it note, and I'd put it on this wall, and I'd write it on this post-it note, and I'd put it on this wall. And then I'd lay down and try to go to sleep that night, and then God would start working. So I'd get up and start moving post-it notes around. And so it was a constant. I got less sleep than I've probably gotten in a long time, but I had the best time. And you know, I shared with the first service, I don't know that there was a cloud around my room like with Moses, but I felt like that at times. And so, um, anyway, it was good. So I, I'll do it again for sure. And, and I, knew that, um, I knew that it was working because um, I got a phone call from Tammy one night and Satan was in overdrive at my house because she walked in and the whole kitchen ceiling had fell out. <laughs> and so um, she sent me pictures and I said, baby, I'm five hours away. Dad, dad, run across the yard, <laughs> bail me out again. Um, I don't know what happened. I guess it was a defective ceiling tile. But um, anyway, we're going to come up with plan B at the Morgan House this week, I'm sure, to get a new ceiling back in the house. But um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 1. And John 1, and we're finishing up our series on who's your one. 
Who's your one? We're going to start in John 1, and I'm calling a little bit of an audible, and we're going to go to John 3 in a few minutes. And I didn't tell Gayla that when she printed the bulletin because um, God just kind of directed me to, to go there this morning, too. So John 1, we're going to start in verse 40 and read a couple of verses. John 1, chapter in verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was, find, was, was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translates to Peter. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, Lord. Father, and I just want to pray for all my group that's traveling home. Father, just keep them safe on that journey so that they can come back. And, Father, just excite us with what they've learned. And, Father, but this morning, Father, I just ask, Father, that you just show us your word. Father, show us the one that we need to be talking to. And, Father, not let us complicate it. Father, we love you. Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, when you read these words, and, it's, and when you look at Andrew, when you really look at Andrew in the big picture, Andrew's only mentioned less than a dozen times in the New Testament, so he wasn't a real significant character. And even whenever he was mentioned, a lot of times it was just kind of a passerby. Well, there's Andrew, you know, kind of in the back room. There's Andrew kind of in the background. But right here, right here, whenever you hear these words, when it says Andrew, Simon's brother, and it goes down and it says the first thing Andrew did was find his brother and tell him we have found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. And that's what I want to, to, to emphasize, you know, because let's just think, because I'm a what if person. What if this would have happened or what if this would have happened or what if this hadn't have happened? What if Andrew hadn't have been obedient and went and went and got Peter, his brother, and brought him. It'd be a significant change to the New Testament. Think about it. There'd be a couple of books that probably wouldn't be in the Bible right now, and there would be, you know, things that wouldn't have happened. But because Andrew was obedient, and I want you to hear the words, because it says the first thing he did was not only find him and tell him, but then he brought him to Jesus. It wasn't good enough for him just to show up and say, hey, bud, you need to come check this guy out, you know, he didn't call him, he didn't text him, he didn't tweet him, he didn't FaceTime him or, or whatever you want to do with social media. What did he do? He brought him, he wrapped his arm and he brought him to Jesus. That's significant. Because what have you heard it said here at Live Oak for years and years and years? If you bring them, they'll come. If you bring them, they'll come. And so he brought his brother and brought him to Jesus himself and says, you need to meet this guy. This is what we've been hearing about. This is the guy that we've been reading about. You need to meet him. He's here. And so Andrew was obedient. And that's what we need to be. We need to be obedient. Because when you look at Andrew, you know, Peter was the one that would step up in front of crowds of thousands and he would preach and they would, they would come down. You know, he was the Billy Graham of that time. But Andrew was the personal relationship guy. Andrew was the one that found the little boy and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew was the one that brought his brother. Andrew was all about the one-on-one -on -one personal relationships with people. Because here what I'm telling you, there's people that accept Christ in situations like this. But the majority of them, it's knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, in a living room or a dining room or drinking coffee or drinking Diet Coke if you're really godly. You know, it's the personal encounters is when people come to know Christ. That was Andrew's strong point. And I think that's why it's emphasized right here is so that we understand 
hey, we've got jobs to do. We've got jobs to do, and so we need to do it. Turn over to John 3, and you know, whenever we was at camp this week, and um, Derek Griffin was the speaker, and um, God was using him in a huge way at camp. And there's going to be a group of students that's going to come back that's going to be fired up for Christ. And we need to fan that flame. You know, we had 13 gone last week to children's camp, and we had 30-something, and literally, I, I really don't know because we kept adding them daily. And so that's going to come back this week. We need to fan those flames on what Christ was doing in their lives. And, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into names and details, but I know for a fact it was one that accepted Christ. And I know that there was some of y'all in here that helped sponsor kids to go to camp, and that was one of them. So God's working. God's working. So turning your Bibles to John 3, and I, I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to read the first 21 verses because I don't want us to miss anything about this. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. We're going to stop there for a second. This guy knew scripture. This guy knew who God was. He knew who Jesus was. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Jesus replied, Verily, truly, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that's born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the, um, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not, um, does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because, they're, because of their evil deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, why do I read all that? Because I want you to understand this was a man that knew Scripture. This was a guy that knew who God was, who knew who Jesus was, and yet he wasn't getting it. Because let's get real honest. The, the, the thing at camp that I want to go back to for the youth this week with simplicity. We overcomplicate things. We overcomplicate God's word. And right here, Jesus is telling them, he says, look, 
He says in verse 11, Verily, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. You know, we ought to be able to testify of who Jesus is. We ought to be able to tell people who Jesus is. But what happens? We complicate it. Because we start thinking, you know something? I don't know this Bible like I should. So I really don't have the authority to be telling people about it. Tell them about what you've seen. Tell them about the change in your heart. Tell them about what you know. What you know. And that's when lives are going to be changed. But we complicate it. We need to keep it simple. You know, um, if you have Facebook, and I tell people all the time, Facebook is a double-edged sword. All social media is. And so years ago, I just made the commitment that I was always going to be positive on Facebook. And I was going to post scriptures, and I was going to post, you know, just uplifting things. And um, so I, I would hope that I've stayed that way. If somebody ever catches me, call me out, because I might have got hacked or something. But... You know, this week, and, and hear my heart, hear, hear, hear my heart. I'm not telling these stories to, to pat Johnny on the back. I'm telling these stories to give God the glory and God the praise and to just show how simple it is at times. And that's why I post those stories. But this week, you know, when we're talking about who's your one and how we complicate that because we really are scared and we don't want to talk to people and we care, but we don't, but we're just nervous. And so this week, you know, I mentioned earlier, I left and I went to Livingston, Texas. And, you know, I went and checked in my hotel. And that um, evening, I went to go get something to eat. And so I, I left and I went to um, a Mexican restaurant down the road because, you know, all good things happens over queso, right? Right? And so I went to a Mexican restaurant and I sat down and ordered my queso and was deciding on what I was going to get. And there was a group come in and this man walked in. And he was just giving me the stare down to the point that it was uncomfortable. And I don't get nervous, you know, and stuff, but I was still thinking, you know, why does this guy keep looking at me like this? And he just kept looking. They sat down at the table, and he kept looking, and the whole time that they're sitting there, and he'd look. And finally, he walks over to me, and he says, sir, I, I think I know you. And he called his name, and he said, um, I was at a dog presentation. You, you're the dog man, right? Because I have no identity, you know. I'm Paige's dad, Peyton's dad. I'm the dog man. I'm the cupcake man. And so I said, yes, sir, I do. And, um, and he said, well, I was down, and he named the, the city, the little town in Louisiana that he was at. And he said, I accepted Christ at that thing. I said, really? I said, that's outstanding. And so we shared for a minute. And he says, will you come over to my table? I want to introduce you to my new wife and to my best friend and his wife. And I said, well, sure. So I got up, and I'm really in my mind, I'm thinking my queso is going to get cold, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I start walking. Well, the next thing I know, we're walking, and he catches my waitress. He says, just move his stuff to our table. We got room. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, okay. This just got real. And so we sit down at the table, and so we start talking. He says, explain your ministry. So I start explaining my ministry, and I start talking about how the dogs are you know, or champion duck dogs and how I use our obedience and how we should be obedient to God and start talking about how we should love God. And, and I start, you know, um, calling, just quoting different scriptures to him. And so the wife's sitting there and she just starts sobbing. And she says, now I understand my husband. She said, I need to find somebody to help me with that. And I said, I got you. And then his best friend and his wife sitting there, 
and she's got tears coming down her face. But before we left the table, I had a chance to lead those three to the Lord. And I got free queso. <laughs> but who would have thought, you know, that that would have happened? Well, it gets better. Day or two later, I go to get on the elevator, and I got on one of my Obedience to Death green T-shirts, and it's got the dog on the back, and I guess I need to talk to my graphic designer when he gets back from camp, because apparently my lab on the back of that T-shirt looks like a pit bull. <laughs> and so we get on there, and it's a Hispanic gentleman, and as we get on the elevator, he looks at me, and he says, you fight? And I'm thinking, I don't look like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you know, why would he ask me if I want to fight? And so I'm looking around. I said, this elevator is awful small. <laughs> and so um, he said, I said, no, sir, I don't fight. He said, you, you, dog fight, dog fight. And I said, no, no. I said, those are labs. And I said, I, I, these are God's dogs. I tell people about Jesus with God's dogs. And he says, God's dogs. And so I started talking to him. So the next thing I know, we're sitting out in the parking lot. And I went and got a Diet Coke out of the back of the car. And we're sitting on the tailgate of his truck. And I'm explaining it to him. And so before we left off the tailgate, I had a chance to lead this Hispanic man to Jesus. And I thought I had broken English. His English was even more broken. But it didn't matter. God used that time. And so why do I tell you that? It's because I want to encourage you. Who's your one? Who's your one? Don't overcomplicate the gospel. Don't overcomplicate this word. Because just like he tells us right there, he says, your testimony, your testimony What's your words? Because I'm passionate about my God, and I'm passionate about my testimony. But you know what? I can't be passionate about Clint Duffy's or, or Donald Turner's because I know they accepted Christ, but their story's different from mine. So they're going to be passionate about their story, and I'm going to be passionate about how I tell my story. Because when you go back and you look and it says, you know, and I mentioned earlier, what if Andrew hadn't been born? What if Andrew hadn't been obedient and brought his brother to Jesus? What if whenever I was 15 years old, almost 16 years old, if I hadn't been sitting in an upstairs room in Cook Hall at Amit Baptist Church on Amit Church Road and a godly lady wouldn't have been sitting there that was getting us ready to bring us on a mission trip, hadn't handed me a blank sheet of paper and asked me to write my story, I might not be standing here today as your pastor. Think about that. One lady, one blank piece of paper, and here we are years later. And so I have a story, and I'm passionate about it. And you ought to have a story, and if you're in here today, and if you don't have that story, if I handed you that piece of paper, and if it was just what it, like mine was, it's blank, then we need to fill that out. Because when you start looking at God's Word, because when you look at it, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Who's your one? Put your one in that spot where it says, for God so loved whoever you're praying for right now. For God so loved that person that he gave his one and only son that that person believes in him, he shall not perish but have eternal life. It makes it more real, don't it? If you've been doing your daily devotions that we passed out in those booklets, you know, and writing their name, it makes it more real when you put that name with them. But you know what? Sometimes it's not what would happen to me on that um, trip for me to be sitting at that table with those four people and to be sitting on the tailgate of that truck. That was probably lots of seeds that had been planted, and there was lots of water that had got done. 
Because there's a scripture that tells us in 1 Corinthians, it says some's going to plant seeds, some's going to plant waters, but only God's going to see it. Only God can do the rest. You know, because there's people that we're going to see, and there's going to be times in our life that we're going to share with people, and they're not going to respond. And we're going to share with them, and they're not going to respond. But don't give up on them. This week, I had the opportunity while I was at camp, I, I pulled the senior pastor rank on Mike and said, I'm going to take the graduating seniors, and I'm going to go take them to get ice cream. And so I brought them off campus, and we went and got ice cream. And as I sat with those five students and sat there, and I asked them, I said, I'm going to ask you all some tough questions, and I want you to be honest with me. You know, and I asked them things like, what did the student ministry at Live Oak do well? What did the student ministry at Live Oak not do well for you? What's the things that you remember? What's the things, you know, and just ask them several questions. And then really went into it with them. And I said, all right, now you finish school. What do we have to do to keep you and not lose you? I know some of you are moving three hours away. What do we have to do? Our sermons are on podcasts. I'll start giving you a verbal test every week to make sure you're listening to it just because you live three hours away. You know, whatever we need to do. And the statement that two or three of them made was, um, again, I'm not patting myself on the back, so hear my heart. They said you always pursued us no matter what. You never judged and you never give up on us. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on people. Sure, you're going to share this and you're going to tell them and they're not going to listen. You know, but sometimes they will. Sometimes they will. So keep pursuing and not give up. You know, yesterday I had the opportunity to do a memorial service, and um, and I guess I'm safe sharing this because we, we're going to share it anyway. The gentleman that I did the memorial service for, I had the opportunity to lead to the Lord literally on his deathbed. And I had been told going into that house, and I've, I've been a, acquainted for the family, that, you know, he, he's not going to listen. He's not going to listen to the gospel. He's not going to listen to you. Other people's tried. He's not going to listen. Well, that's just a challenge for me. So I went, me and my uncle went, and we sat there, and I just, I laid the gospel out. And he looked at me and just shook his head no. And so I left, you know, and I just started praying. God, this is bigger than me. This is you. So I waited about a month because I know some people like to process. I waited about a month, and I went back. And I sat there, and I shared again. And he prayed and accepted Christ. And he didn't last much longer after that. But why do I share that? Because there was lots of seeds that I know that was planted before Johnny Morgan showed up. There was lots of watering that happened before Johnny Morgan showed up. But, but I had the opportunity to see God turn that around. So don't give up. Don't give up. When we talk about who's your one, you know, don't give up on that person. So what if you don't get a chance to lead them to the Lord? If somebody else does, hallelujah. Because that's what it's about. You know, there's no list. There's no list that says, Donnie, you need to talk to all these people and they need to accept Christ before you get to heaven. Frank, you need to talk to all these people before. There's no list. But the word's real clear. For God to love the world. When I read that, that means everybody. For God loved everybody. Everybody. So what are we going to do with it? I'm going to read you one story. Um, how many of y'all have ever heard of a gentleman named Edward Kimball? 
Frank don't count. He's in the back. He was in the first service. <laughs> Let me read you a story about Edward Kimball. If you have ever heard of Edward Kimball, he was a Sunday school teacher who led D.L. Moody to Christ. Anybody ever heard of D.L. Moody? All right. Now we're going to see it come around. Edward Kimball went to a Boston shoe store where the 18-year-old Moody was working, cornered him in a stock room, and introduced him to Christ. You know, and it goes on that, this, that Edward Kimball was a real soft-spoken man that was real timid. He was scared to death the day he went to go to that shoe store. But when you look at the whole lineage, he led D.L. Moody to the Lord, and then D.L. Moody led thousands to the Lord. And if you go on down the line, because of Edward Kimball, Billy Graham come to know the Lord because of the ones that he accepted Christ in between them. And look at all the people that accepted Christ with Billy Graham because of one Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teachers, raise your hand. I'm calling you out. Raise your hand if you're a Sunday school teacher in here. That ought to be the most evangelistic thing that we do up here is in our Sunday school classes. We ought to be presenting the gospel all the time. A Sunday school teacher, scared to death, went to where this young boy worked and led him to the Lord, and then D.L. Moody rocked the world after that through God. Do you hear that? Anybody can do it. Don't overcomplicate this. Don't overthink this. Share your story. Your story. And if you don't have a story, then today needs to be the day that we start that. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.